this morning, let's get right into our word. Uh, thank you guys for, for setting me up this morning with this skit. I'm going to talk about, with Valentine's being Thursday, I mean Wednesday, see I'm already going to miss it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to give you a story this morning I think that uh, will kind of help us with, with the idea of, of Valentine's Day. I'm going to skip around, verse 16, 18, and 31. Beginning verse 16 says, now Saban, Saban, I'm thinking of Nick Saban. Uh, <laughs> now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Verse 18, now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Then look at verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. As I was preparing the message this morning, I did a little bit of research on Valentine's Day. And one of the things that was astounding to me is, according to Forbes magazine, that on Wednesday, Americans will spend, listen to this, $26 billion on Valentine's Day. I, I, had, I knew it was a lot, but I had no idea. It was $26 billion is what uh, they estimate will be spent on Valentine's Day. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of flowers, a lot of cards, a lot of chocolate, a lot of jewelry. You know, that's a lot of stuff. However, let me just say this, not everyone will celebrate this day of love. In fact, one of the other statistics that I came across was that 26% of our population will spend this day by themselves. 26%. Love might be in the air, but not everybody's feeling the love. And, and I want to talk about love this morning. I, I, I've always said that there's two basic needs of humanity, and that is to love and to be loved. You know, we talk about uh, mental health, we talk about uh, psychological help, psychological first aid, things like to love and to be loved. Those are the two essential qualities of our humanity. And, and the sad commentary is today that there are people who feel as though they don't matter. They feel like nobody cares, that they are unnoticed, and that they disappeared off the face of the earth. Nobody would be the wiser. Other people, they don't just feel unloved. They feel like life is always a competition with somebody else. And they're always competing for somebody's time and their attention. Uh, I, I mean, think about it. Have you ever, have you ever uh, played second fiddle to somebody? You, you know what I'm talking about when I say second fiddle or second place? You know, maybe it was a brother or sister. Maybe it was an older brother or an older sister. You were always competing for attention in the family. You know, sometimes when you see children act out, it's because they are, they're, they're, they're begging for attention. They want attention. So, so you have that competition. Maybe it's a neighborhood kid, but whatever, whoever it is, you always felt second. You never felt like you measured up. You never, you never got picked first on the playground. You, you remember the day when you all ganged up outside, they picked two captains, and then they picked who what they wanted on their team? And there was something always inside of you that said, pick me, pick me, pick me, but you never got picked. You're always picked last. You know, and, and, and it seemed like the one who picked you last was, was kind of depressed that they had to put you on their team, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you never, you never dated the captain of the cheerleading squad. You never went out with the star quarterback. You never played and excelled in sports. You were always second. That close, but never enough. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Here's the thing. Being second can give you a complex. And, and there are people today that are in their adult lives that are still struggling with the competitiveness of their youth by being second always coming in after somebody else. I mean, you, you, there's something inside of us that just kind of wells up and says, you know what, somebody just pick me. 
I mean, just for once, somebody choose me. You know, it's like a group of people want to go out. You have a girl's night out, and, and there's something inside that says, pick me, I want to go. Or a men's event, I want to be a part of it. You know, we all have that because to love and to be loved is a, is a basic human nature that we have. And, and, and if that's you this morning, if you sit here and you feel unloved, unnoticed, uncared for, well, I got a story for you this morning. Leah is a wonderful story. Leah is the eldest daughter of Laban. But the thing about Leah is she always took a second seat to her younger, more beautiful sister, Rachel. Always second seat. Most of us are familiar with the story. Jacob, and I'll give you a summation of it. Jacob, Jacob goes to his uncle. He works seven years with the expectation that he's going to marry Rachel, the youngest daughter. The Bible says that Jacob was so in love with Rachel that that seven years seemed like just a few days. Now, that's how you know it's true love. I mean, time just went by like that. I, I told the early service, I, I can remember today uh, when I met Sheila, my wife, uh, almost 30, I, I don't remember, I lost track of time, <laughs> uh, 37, 38 years maybe, I think September's 38 years. I can remember the day we met. Now, we, we, we didn't officially meet, but that's the day I saw her and said, uh-huh. It, guys, you know what I'm talking about? My heart goes, boom, 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 you know, like that. We're sitting in the parking lot of First Assembly of God in Leesville, Louisiana. I'm in the military there. And, and, and so I'm parked here. My wife, Sheila, at that time, parks here on my left. We go to turn around, I, I back out of our parking spot. And I kid you not, it's just like a, a cartoon. I turn this way. She turns this way. Our eyes cross, and I go, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I like, who is that brunette? I used to call her Skippy. Back in the day, she looked like, it was her nickname. She looked like Annette Finicello. Go back and look at some of her earlier pictures. She looked just like her. So I called her Skippy from the, the commercial. So, so I begin an investigation. Who is this woman? She captured my attention. She arrested me, is another way of saying it. She arrested me. I wanted to know. So I start digging around. I'm, I officially met her in March of 1986. We dated in April of 86. And then we got married in September of 86. And that's been almost 38 years ago. So, so again, to, to, for this story, Jacob has that experience with Rachel. He sees her and he goes, whoa, this is the woman. She's it. And seven years passes off like that. And then Jacob, of course, you know the story. He has to work another seven years because he's tricked by his uncle and he marries the wrong sister. I mean, true love will go to the extremes, right? Again, as human beings, we, we need love and we need to give love. And if not, there's a void that's created in us. And there are people today that walk around depressed. There are people today that walk around with, with severe cases of anxiety, largely because there's a void inside that's empty. It hasn't been filled. Uh, filled. I, I know there are widows and widowers and, and, and single folks that are here. And let me just throw this out there. Do you have a satisfactory, loving friendship that serves as an anchor for that human need of contact? Because the Bible says it is not good. Everybody say not good. It's not good that man be alone. There's inside of us that need for companionship, relationship. And so, again, if you're single, if you're a widow, widower, you need to have relationships, companionship in the form of friendships. You need to have that, and they need to be deep and strong. Again, not everybody that, 
that uh, you come in contact is going to be your BFF. But you pray for those that are close enough that, that, that fill that void. Otherwise, you're going to have a void that's there. You know, maybe you can relate to Leah this morning. Here's the thing about this story that intrigued me. When you read about her introduction, she's introduced to us, and I, I kind of find this sad. She's introduced to us by contrasting her with the beauty of her younger sister. I mean, how'd you like that? Talk about comparison. I mean, we don't know much about Leah other than the fact when she's introduced, it's in contrast to the beautiful Rachel. In fact, the, the Bible says, and you know, when it describes her, it says Leah had delicate eyes. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> delicate eyes. What, what does that mean? I, I did a lot of digging research on that, and I really can't find a whole lot of commentators that would even agree exactly what delicate eyes were. I can just tell you I know what it doesn't mean. It means that she wasn't a 10. <laughs> That's all I can say. I don't know otherwise what delicate eyes means, but I can tell you she wasn't a 10. In, in, in fact, it wasn't the ugly stick that got her. It was the whole tree. But she had delicate eyes. <laughs> Leah has delicate eyes, but Rachel, blah, 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 boom. <laughs> I mean, she was the type of woman that, she was beautiful. She walked by, and all the men stopped to look. You know, and, 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 and she had everything going for her. Imagine growing up. Again, this is the point, a picture I'm trying to paint. Imagine growing up, and you weren't even in the same league as your younger sister. All the guys wanted to marry Rachel. <laughs> Nobody wanted to marry Leah. Nobody even gave her the time of day. No one ever thought about marrying such a homey person and then think about one day your dad comes to you and being a dad of a girl I, you know we talked about when my daughter was growing up we talked about relationships and we talked about marriage and things like that so so just picture again the scenario she's contrasted with the beautiful Rachel now Leah comes in she's she's homey and she's got pretty eyes or delicate eyes whatever that means so dad comes to her one day and says hey honey how would you like to get married well, dad, well, duh, Dad, of course I want to get married. He said, well, then I got a plan. Now, think about what it would do to her psyche. Here's my plan. So he tells Leah, his oldest daughter, that he's going to pull one over on Jacob. And, and listen to what he said. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I promised him that he was going to be able to marry Rachel. But you know, the custom is we've got to marry you all first. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to cover your face. Think, that's what he says. I mean, he didn't say cover your face. He said put a veil on. He said, I want you to put a veil on, enter into the marriage chambers. Jacob will probably be a little bit tipsy. Uh, it'll be dark, and it'll just be the two of you. All you got to do is keep your mouth shut. That's what he said on her. And he said, in the morning, after the marriage is consummated, it'll be too late for Jacob to back out. Now, how would you like your dad to come in there and talk to you about marriage and say, hey, we're going to put a bag over your head and we're going to tape your mouth shut? <laughs> I mean, that's a crude way of looking at it, but that's what he said. How would you like to be Leah? <laughs> I mean, man, you, you feel for her, right? I mean, you talk about a gut punch. Sure, she wanted to get married. But on the other hand, she wanted to marry a guy that loved her. I mean, again, we want to be loved, right? Amen? We want to be loved. We want somebody to notice us. 
And so she's in a quandary right there. Maybe she, maybe she thought that if I go through with this, he might love me. He might grow to love me. Listen, be careful with that type of thinking. I mean, that's how a lot of people get into marriage thinking, well, he may not love me like he should, but if I'll get into this marriage. Listen, marriage does not ease your problems. It amplifies your problems. It, 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 marriage, I'm not, listen, I love marriage. I've been married a long time to the same woman. I love marriage. But marriage is an amplifier. It amplifies things. That's why the first ministry that all of us have is to our home. Because if I can't live consistent Christian life in my home, I have no business trying to do it in some other place. So, so again, whatever the reasoning is, Leah decides to go along with her dad's plan. And, and, and again, I look at that and I think, man, how many people in our world today live in that situation? They're desperate for love, and in that desperation, they do all kinds of unreasonable things. You think about teenagers. I mean, you think about women giving themselves to, uh, to men who will never love them nor respect them in the morning. You think about men who sacrifice their dignity and their spirituality to, per, to pursue women who will never be faithful to them or faithful to God. But that longing for love and acceptance and attention pushes us to do irrational things. Because we want to be loved. We don't want to be like the kids stuck on the playground saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. So we do irrational things. We want to feel special and not leftovers. And so we have kids today, teenagers that are doing all kinds of things, trying to earn the attention of other people. See, that's what Leah wanted. She went along with the plan. And, and, and the thing is, it doesn't, go for, it, doesn't, it doesn't work in her favor. She goes through with the plan, they get married, the, the night's over, and when Jacob finds out that he married the, one, the, the wrong woman, he'd been deceived, he's ticked. He, he's not happy about it. He's like, what in the world? Can you? I mean, again, imagine Leah. She's having to go through all this humiliation to marry a guy, and then in the morning, you're, he wakes up and looks at you and said, oh my goodness. Not in a good way either. And then he marches off to, da to, to Laban, his uncle, and is like, what's this you've done? I told you I would work for seven years to get Rachel, and you give me, and you give me Leah. What in the world are you doing? Well, that's got to hurt a little bit. That's got to sting a little bit, right? Jacob is so in love with Rachel that here's what he does. He agrees to work another seven years to marry her. And in the meantime, Le uh, Leah is married first, and she's loved least. Married first, loved least. Now Laban explains the custom is that you can't marry my second daughter, the youngest daughter, without my first one being married. So what, what does Laban do? Well, Laban makes an agreement with him. And he says to, to Jacob, he said, look, if you will promise me you'll work another seven years, I'll give you Rachel, except what I want you to do is fulfill the, 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 the marital, the matrimonial week and then I'll give you Rachel. So you see what happened there? So again, Leah's been in the shadow of Rachel all of her life. She gets married thinking now maybe he's going to grow to love me. Dad pulls a one over on Jacob, and he goes to Jacob and says, if you'll promise me that you'll work seven more years, I'll give you Rachel, but you've got to spend one week with Leah. He spends one week with Leah all to her, herself, and then he takes Rachel as his wife, and he works another Seven years. 
So even, I mean, think about how bad that must have been. I mean, Leah had grown up playing second fiddle to her beautiful young sister. Now in marriage, she finds out she's second again. There are people today that are struggling, trying to find identity. You know, the life and the love of Leah, always in the shadow of her sister, always. But I want you to know one thing. God always roots for the underdog. I know I'm laying it on a little bit this morning, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, they say a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, and I'm trying to, but, but it was a story, it's a heartbreaking story to me, that she's so, that she's so unloved, and, and, and yet I see that every day, I see people all around that are just meandering through life, they have no, they, they have no oof about them, like they're seemingly invisible. And if they disappeared off the face of the earth, nobody would be the wiser. I, I, I'm here to tell you, I beg to differ with that this morning. See, God, the God that you and I serve this morning, God roots for the underdog. Notice how God always take, takes the nobodies and he makes somebody out of them. God chooses a younger, stuttering Moses to go and be the deliverer. He chooses the last son, David, to be the king of Israel. See, God often will take the unexpected to do the extraordinary. God loves nobodies. He, lo he sees Le uh, Leah in her unloved state and he loves her. In verse 31, it says it specifically, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Other than love and marriage in that culture, the desire of a woman was to have children. And the Bible says God saw her that she was unloved. Don't tell me that God doesn't have a tender heart. Don't tell me, you know, the Bible says that his love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. He saw the plight of Leah, and the Bible said he blessed her. He blessed her. Jacob may not have shown her love, but God did. Jacob may not have been paying attention to her, but God did. Jacob may not have listened to her, but God did. So God blessed Leah above her sister. Leah began to have children, sons to Jacob, and all she bore six sons and one daughter to Jacob. Now I want you to watch how this unfolds because this is my whole point this morning. You know, listen, there, there are many times we think no one knows, no one cares, no one sees our broken heart. I want to tell you this morning, God does. In fact, one of the ministries the Messiah would have, remember in Luke 4, 18, one of the ministries that he would have is that he would heal the brokenhearted. He would heal the brokenhearted. He loves us with an everlasting love, and he has bound himself to us with cords of love that cannot be broken. And, and God's love is perfect and holy. And it's unconditional. He loves us. He can't love you more, and He won't love you less. I love that about God. Thank God, because there are times I blow it. There are times I miss the mark. There are times I want to do better than what I end up doing. And, and God doesn't kick me out. He doesn't cast me out. He still says, you're my son, you're my daughter, because He loves me. God saw Leah's loveless estate, and God blessed her with children. And he withheld from Rachel for a season. The first son that Leah conceived, you can see it there in our text. She named him Reuben. The first boy was Reuben, which in essence means behold a son. Behold a son. Here's an interesting thing. When she gave birth to Reuben, here's what she said. The Lord has surely looked on my affliction now, therefore, notice what she says, my husband will love me. You see that? 
because I have borne him a son, now he's going to love me. That's a performance-based love. It's a performance-based love. It's, it's, if, if you do this, I'm going to love you. And see, we do that today, right? I mean, her hope at this point in her life, her only thought after giving birth to her son was now maybe somebody will love me. Now maybe somebody will choose me. And that's the way we are. We grow up thinking, well, if I do something right, then I can earn somebody's love. Our children grow up thinking, well, if I do well in school, then maybe my parents are going to love me. If I, get a, uh, if I go along with the crowd, then, then I'm going to be popular and they'll love me. The young girl may say, the teenage girl may say, well, you know, if I let my boyfriend have his way with me, then he's going to love me. Listen, ain't going to happen. I hadn't said this in a long time, but I tell you what, if a guy comes up to you and, uh, as a teenage girl and propositions you and say, well, if you love me, you would, I, I'm just going to tell you to do one thing. Take your, your hand, ball it up like that, and smack him in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, it, it's not going to happen. But we do that. We're performance-based. I mean, notice that, that, uh, that even giving, but here's the thing. Performance-based love never works. Even after giving him a son, Reuben, she doesn't earn his love. He doesn't love her any more now than he did, than he did when he got married or when he found out he married the wrong one. So she gives birth to a second son. And this time, in verse 33, again, she gives birth to a son, names him Simeon, and the name Simeon means to hear, to hear. Here's what it says. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me a son also. Do you see that? Verse 31 said God saw her in her unloved estate. Verse 33 says that the Lord heard that she was unloved. So what does that mean? It means when nobody was around, when nobody was looking, she was crying out to God saying, God, let somebody love me. God, let somebody care. Somebody somewhere. I, I, I want just one time to be picked. Just once I want to be loved. He says, God heard that. God heard that and gave her a son. Again, Leah had been crying to the Lord. He gave her a second son. She's still hoping to earn his love. She has another son. And this son she names Levi. And the word Levi means attached or joined. Okay? Verse 34 says she conceived and again and bore a son and said, now this time, notice what she does, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. She was hoping now that after three sons, Jacob would pay some attention to her. But I want you to notice her expectations have dropped. When she had her first son, she said, now maybe my husband will love me. But now three Children later, she said, maybe he will be attached to me. She let her standards down because she just wanted somebody to care. All her life, she'd played second fiddle. All her life, she'd been in the shadow of somebody else. Why can't it just be me? She names him Levi. She doesn't express the expectation that Jacob will love her. But maybe he'll feel a bond of attachment because I've given him three children. She names him Levi. And it was from Levi that the priestly tribe 
was to flow through. But even after three sons, there was no difference, nothing to indicate that there was a difference in the relationship between the husband and the wife. Nothing that Leah had done at this point had caused Jacob to love her. But you know what? God wasn't done. Because in verse 35 says, And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. The name Judah means may, praise, may God be praised. And I want you to see a transition that goes on right here. You know, I often say that Psalms are very good it's a very good thing to read, the Psalms, because they're therapeutic letters. When you, when, you read a, when you read a Psalm, oftentimes they start out with a lament. Why do the heathen rage? Why are there so many against me? And all this stuff. And they, they start out lamenting about how bad life is and how unfortunate things are for them. But then, but then as they continue to verbalize and write those things down, by the time they get to the end of that, they turn it into a praise unto God. So Leah starts out in the shadow of her sister Rachel struggling for identity because she's playing second fiddle. She gives birth to one son, two sons, three sons, and, and, and nothing has worked. Nothing has brought her out from the shadow of her sister, even though her sister was barren. She gets to that fourth son, and she calls him Judah. Leah would go on to have, and, and from Judah, we get kings. The line of kings comes through. In fact, Jesus is the line of what? The tribe of Judah. The Judah. Leah would go on to have two more sons and a daughter, but I want you to see the change that takes place in her. Her eyes are open to a powerful reality, and that is this, that while her husband Jacob may never, never love her, loved her, at least in the way he did Rachel, she knew one thing for sure, God loves me. God loves me. See, that's it this morning. I, and, and, and I know if you're sitting here battling with loneliness and things like that, you say, well, that's just a cop-out. No, I'm telling you this morning, if you, will, you, you will find in him a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You will find a confidant that will be with you in the good times and the bad times. He will be with you when things are going well, and he'll be with you when things fall apart. That's who it is. That's the God that you and I serve this morning. She names the fourth child uh, Judah. May God be praised. My husband may not love me, but I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow. I may not be beautiful like my sister, but I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow. I may, not be the, uh, I may not be president of the homeowners association, but I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow. I may not drive what somebody else drives. I may not live in a house that somebody else lives in, but I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow because I'm the apple of his eye and he cares for me. That's what she finds out. She got to the point where she said, you know what? I'm done trying to earn favor. I'm done trying to earn his love and his respect. I'm going to go ahead and bask in the presence of who, uh, of who God made me to be. Years ago, I told the early service, years ago, when I started out in ministry, I had this really bad habit is I sought affirmation from people. And, and I think most of us do. And, and so I would, I, I would preach and I would look, to, I would look certain places and I, will, I would want to see a, an, a, a, an acceptable nod or a yay, amen for somebody. And, and if it didn't happen, I'd get depressed. Like somehow I didn't perform very well. I didn't do a very good job. And early on, God taught me, said, boy. Well, he didn't say boy, but that's the way I, I think of my dad. <laughs> Son, you only play into an audience of one. Amen. As much as I enjoy people 
Pastor, that ministered to me, that encouraged me. As much as I love the encouragement I get from people, the reality is there's one voice I want to hear. And when I stand at the beam of Christ, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. There are too many people today, too many people in the sa- behind the sacred desk that are preaching for applause of men. They're preaching to tickle ears. They're not there declaring, thus saith the Lord. And so we have people today that name the name of God. They call themselves believers. They are a mile wide and an inch deep because they've been given sloppy agape and greasy grace because people want to perform. Listen, I love you with everything in me. 30 years I've labored, I've I've done my best to be a man of integrity and honor, and I will serve as long as the Lord enables me to do so. I serve you as hard as I possibly can. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's before him and him alone. That's it. Him and him alone. I told the board years ago, many years ago, I said, you know what? We're talking about all the expansion we've done down through the years. I said, you know what? Here's the thing. I don't really much care. I mean, I don't want psychedelic colors anywhere, but uh, I don't much care about the decor. I mean, I want it nice and presentable. I said, I, I don't have much of an opinion about that. I said, but what I do have and what I do care about is this piece of real estate right here. This is what I care about. I'm not going to be manipulated by pop culture. I'm not going to be man- manipulated by who's who in society trying to tell me I shouldn't be preaching like that or I shouldn't say things like that. If it's in the Word, it needs to be declared. See, that's kind of the place she got. She got to that place where she said, you know what, I might, not be, I, I might not be the prettiest, and I might not have the most, but you know what? I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father, and I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow. And so through the unloved, now guys, guys, come on back. I'm going to let you know I'm serious. I'm going to close this out. <laughs> through the, I mean, think about this. Through the unloved Leah, priests and kings were born. And ultimately, it would be the line through Judah that the Savior of the world would be born. God looks on our lowly estate. God sees us in our heartache and our disappointments, and He cares. He cares. Listen, I've got a a list of questions. I'm sure you do too. Why things happen the way they do. Listen, I wish I could answer those. And I'd start my own podcast. I'd have a TikTok or something going on. I'd be answering those questions and getting rich doing it. But you know what? There are just some questions that don't have an answer. Why do bad things happen to good people? I really don't know. Other than the fact that we live in a world that's marred by sin. Why does God do something? Well, He did. He sent His only begotten Son into the world to die. That's what He did 2,000 years ago. Not only did He send Him 2,000 years ago, he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he made a promise. He said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back. And when he comes back, he's not going to be born. We've been there, those who went with me to Israel. We've been to that little tiny village. Well, it's not a tiny village anymore, Bethlehem. We've been there. We've been to, the, to, to those places. He's not coming back as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, placed in a, in a feed trough in the side of a hill. He's going to come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. And all this that's done wrong, he's going to make it right. The Bible says for at least a millennium, the thousand years, he's going to rule and reign in righteousness. After that, there'll be a short season. The devil's released. Then there'll be that final showdown. And by the way, don't get too worked up about the final showdown. Not this going to, one word out of his mouth, the sword of his word is going to speak and it'll be done just like that. And then all this will be recreated to the original intent. 
He's done what he needs to do. Our job now is to accept what he's done. Listen, I, I just, I'm going to close this morning and let you know. Listen, you may not have what others have. And you may not be socially acceptable like everybody else. And you may not be on that rung of, of, of influential people in, in the community. Who cares? If your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, those people there, if they don't bow down to Jesus, they'll bust hell wide open like somebody lives in the streets will. Amen? It's not who we... Listen, when I get to heaven, he's not going to look at my portfolio. He's not going to say how many people voted for me, how many people did this, how many people... He's not going to look at that. He's going to say, what did you do with my son Jesus? And if he's not Lord, he's not letting me in. It's plain and simple. Listen, don't sit there and wallow in the, the misery of loneliness. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. We as sinners plunge beneath its flood, lose all our guilty stains, and he comes and he builds that relationship with us and he, he fulfills our deepest desires of our heart. Listen, I, I grew up in church. You've heard me say it. You know, I, I get tired. I, sometimes I hesitate saying it again because it was used in a skit last year. By the time I was seven years old, I could marry you, bury you, baptize you, a preacher on the conviction. Because I had done, I, again, third generation. My grandfather founded the church I grew up in. I mean, if there was one thing I knew growing up was Jesus. But when I, got thir when I became 13, I went stupid. 17, I ran away from home. Got out in the world, did all kinds of junk that I shouldn't have done, raised not to do. But the arm of the Lord's not short. <laughs> And he can't reach me. And in a barracks in San Antonio, Texas, 1985, Lackland Air Force Base, God came down beside my bunk as I knelt there in prayer and said, God, I've really screwed my life up, but if you want me and can use me, here I am. That day changed my life. And since 1985, I've never looked back and never even thought of looking back because the deepest hole in my spirit was filled. The longing of my heart was satisfied and I finally figured out you can take the whole world but give me Jesus because that's all that really lasts listen you don't have to earn God's love I'm closing this morning you don't have to earn God's love he already loves you even if you're not serving him right now he loves you more than you can even fathom he loves you if you're sitting here struggling this morning, please know the love of God is a real thing. And just praise Him anyway. Just praise Him anyway. You may, maybe you've grown up feeling second best, but listen to this. In God's eyes, you were worth heaven's best in exchange for your redemption. We've heard it said before, if we were the only one, Jesus would have died. I really truly believe that, that God loves me so much that had I been the only person on earth, He would have done it for me because He loves me. Not because I'm special but because he loves me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It was said that greater love hath no man than this that he lay down his life for a friend. He did it for me while I was unsaved. While I was yet sinner, Christ died for me because he loved me. You'll not find a love like that Young person, what I would say is our, to our young people, our youth, even our kids next door, what I would say is, you know what, if, you're, if we all have that need of, being, of, of loving and being loved, be careful. 
search for true love that can only be found in Him. All this other love is reciprocal in nature. You do for me, I'll do for you. I'll love you if. There's one that loves you just because He's love. And He wants that now. He wants to fill the emptiness of your heart. I want you to stand with me this morning. I've never been one to really preach holiday messages other than Christmas and maybe Easter. In fact, I'd already prepared another message that I was going to preach this morning. And then Wednesday morning, as I was studying and finishing up for Wednesday night teaching, the Lord laid this on my heart. And I thought, you know what? He never does that on, on accident. You know what? When God begins to speak, there's somebody here and somebody online that you need to know that you're loved this morning. Maybe you're struggling with it. You can Listen, do you know you can still be married and feel unloved? You, you can be married and, and have a companion and still feel unloved. Leah was married and felt unloved. And God came to her in that loveless estate and He blessed her and He honored her. Sometimes... The answer is not a new wife. It's not a new husband. It's being loved by Him. Because He's still working all things together for our good. You know, I'm a family guy, and my prayer this thank this Thanksgiving, <laughs> this Valentine's Day. Guys, sometimes we need to man up and apologize to our wife. And 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 and, and equally. Ladies, your husband is not your slave. I've said it before. If you, want, if you don't like the timing in which he takes your trash out, take it out yourself. There are just some things that are not worth World War III in our homes. And my prayer is, God, help us to discern. There are some hills you don't want to die on. God, help us to discern those things that are lasting impact versus those things that are inconveniences because families matter so while they sing this morning I'm just going to close it out like this if you're here today and you say Pastor I, I, just, I just want God to touch me today with his loving touch that, that's all I'm going to say and you can define that how you want to maybe, maybe you are battling with some loneliness maybe you are struggling feeling unloved maybe unnoticed We've all been there. We've all done that. We've all been that kid on the, on the playground saying, please, somebody, choose me. And maybe that's held over in your adult life, and you say, you know what, somebody choose me. Well, you know, this morning, I want you to just come and just say, Lord, Leah had an aha, she had an aha moment. My prayer is this message has been an aha moment because maybe you've been performing, trying to get earned people's love and attention, and God said, no, just go ahead and praise me anyhow. Just go ahead and worship me anyhow. Because I'll be your friend and I'll stay with you. So while they sing, if that's you this morning, just, just come and say, God, this is my aha moment. I'm happy and I'll worship you anyway. Watch what God will do for you. Go ahead. If you feel led to come pray for somebody, I want you to come pray for them. But if you're here this morning... It's a bold step, but take that step.
jealous for me. Your love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so.
Listen, that's a truth that you can't shake right there. Because he loves you more. We, we measure God's love based on our interaction with other people. God's love is much higher than that. Much higher than that. The wound that you carry with you, and I just felt the Lord kind of drop this in my spirit. The wound that you carry with you, he is able to heal. You've, you've, I'm just going to share what he, and then we're going to pray and dismiss. You've, you've, you've walled up a portion of your heart because you've been wounded. We do that, by the way. We build walls. You opened yourself. You trusted somebody. They violated that trust. They wounded you, and you carried that wound. And again, it could be a recent thing. It could be something that's gone on for years. And you've, you've walled that place off. God's saying, let's take that down so that the deepest desire of your heart can be met by me. Because if you always have a no trespassing sign in your spirit, you can only go so far and you'll never tap into the abundant life Jesus said you could have. Amen? You don't get anything else I say. God loves you this morning with an everlasting love and his mercies are new every day. Father, I love you today and I thank you that you love us. You are a good, good father. That's who you are. And we are loved by you. That's who we are. Father, I pray that today as we walk out of here, that we walk out, Lord, unequivocally knowing that we are loved by you. And that, Lord, even if our human relationships fail and falter, Lord, you are constant and you will always love us. And you will always be an advocate for us. So may we position ourselves as Leah and say, I may not be like this, I may not have this, I may not be in the in crowd, but I'm going to praise you anyhow because I am the apple of your eye and you've inscribed, inscribed me on the palm of your hand and no devil strong enough to take me out. Father, may we rest in that confidence. Now, fathers, we dismiss today. We ask that you bless the Henry family, Lord, as our missionaries to Durban, South Africa. Lord, we pray that as they travel itinerating, Lord, that you would be safe, give them safety. Lord, that they would raise the funds that are necessary and get them back doing the work that you've called them to do. I ask you to give us a great day today. May we rejoice in your faithfulness and your goodness. Bring us again to the next appointed time, I pray. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Thanks for being with us online. I'll see you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much. Grace.